Our guest this week is Eric Upchurch from Active Duty Passive Income. He's an Army Special Operations veteran who grew up in central Iowa before attending college in California. He has a passion for educating the military community on how to create long-term wealth through real estate investing while personally investing across the country for the last 14 years. Eric serves as co-founder of Active Duty Passive Income and is a senior managing partner with ADPI Capital. Most recently, Eric's team has opened a nationwide, first-of-its-kind, 100% employee-owned mortgage branch, real estate brokerage, as well as an insurance company, all with the goal of serving the ADPI community of military real estate investors. On this episode, we talked to Eric about how he became an accidental landlord when he purchased his first home with a VA loan. We talk about his passion for teaching other veterans the power of house hacking. We talk about his specific strategy of live-in flips and how that allowed him to build capital for investing in large multifamily. And finally, we talk about the key to successful networking. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. And this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great. We're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Eric Upchurch, welcome to the road to family freedom. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's pleased to make your acquaintance. We were just chatting uh, about our, some of our mutual friends uh, before we got on, the, the infamous Alex Felice. You bet. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I just met him, met him uh, earlier this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we get into your real estate investing story, I, we'd like to hear how you sort of fell into a career in special operations. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> so I went the opposite direction of a lot of people. You know, some people will um, enlist and then you know get the GI Bill and and then go to college after. Um, but I had chosen to go to. I actually graduated from UC Santa Barbara, and I chose to enlist instead of becoming an officer. Most people with a college degree would go and be get, be an officer. You get paid a little bit more, and um, you know, you start out in the, as a second lieutenant instead of, you know, a, a private, uh, for those of you who don't, are not, not familiar. Um, but I chose to be enlisted because um, I wanted to serve, number one. And number two, um, I knew that I was an influencer in just, I've always been kind of a man, wanting to be a, a manager of people. And I figured, well, if I'm 24 years old with some experience under my belt in just life in general, I could probably go and make a difference in a lot of you know, younger enlisted 18 year old guys lives. And so I knew I'd get that out of being an enlisted soldier as well, but also paid off all my college debt as well. So that um, I signed up for the army loan repayment program. Um, so to fast forward, I needed to make it to my wedding. 
I just proposed to my uh, now wife of 15 years and, um, and I was, I, you know, went to, uh, uh, Jackson. I was trying to think of the base, uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina for basic training, then Fort Eustis, Virginia for advanced training. And all the while I'm just sitting there going, I need to be home July 31st. And this is January when I signed up, when I, you know, shipped off to boot camp. So the whole time I'm thinking to myself, okay, be a gray man. Don't stand out. Don't do anything wrong. Don't twist an ankle. Don't, you know, pass all your tests. And so I was trying so hard um, the whole time to make it to my own wedding that ended up as uh, top of my class um, in basic and in advanced individual training. And because of that, I was unknowing, unknowingly, I was selected for special operations um, aviation regiment. So kind of interesting. Yeah, I had no idea that I didn't even know that the unit had existed. Uh, until I got orders many weeks before my comrades and they said, Hey, you're going to soar. And I said, what's that? My drill sergeant looked at me and just like thumped (laughs) thumped me over the head, you know, (laughs) he's like, Oh man. Okay. Good, good luck, buddy. Did you make it to your wedding? So yeah, great. I did. I did. So man, you gotta, you gotta think too, the window of, making mistakes is so small when you're in training like that. If you literally, if you, if you miss a test, you get recycled back to the next class or if you, um, which basically me puts you in a holding pattern for a couple of weeks. And if you sprain an ankle, I use that as an example, but then you you're delayed in your training. So if anything had happened, I would, and the, the military doesn't care if I make it to my wedding that they didn't, they didn't sign up for my wedding. Right. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I had, I, I did make it, I was there about two days or three days before my wedding. And, um, I finagled a honeymoon, a little bit of a honeymoon after <laughs> that, um, as well. So there were some loopholes I had to jump through there to get that, but I did make it, everything was fine and we had no plan B. So we had to make it happen. Gotcha. And what time period are we, are we talking? How many years ago this was, was this? Yeah, this was 2005 when I enlisted. January, 2005. Okay. And as we were, we were talking on the, uh, on the, uh, pre-show that it's a pretty busy time for the special operations during that time period. So you, yep. the fact that you were able to get married and, and have a honeymoon and then probably before you got deployed was a, a, almost a miracle. Yeah, it was a very interesting time. I was actually supposed to go back to recruiting duty as a new, uh, a new trainee that had just uh, you know, completed my advanced training. I was supposed to go back and, uh, and work with my recruiter in Santa Barbara for four days or something. But instead he was like, you know what, we'll figure out a way you guys can go on your honeymoon down to Cancun or whatever we did, you know? And, and, uh, so yeah, little couple loopholes to jump through there. But yeah. we got it. So. Gotcha. Nice. so you, you were in for six years, correct? Correct. Yeah. One, one enlistment term yep, All right. in aviation. And, uh, you, how did you discover real estate investing? Like a lot of veterans do, uh, we use the VA loan and, um, I was actually in Iraq on my first deployment when we purchased, and this is in 2006, we, um, used the VA loan to purchase our first home and it was a new construction home. And we were really excited about it. And we had gone through the Dave Ramsey, um, train of thought of paying off all, you know, we read money, uh, total money makeover and got out all of our debt 
and we're just really responsible and ready. And so we leveraged our VA loan, put zero down on a new construction home, 2006, really good time to buy fully mm-hmm. leveraged uh, property, by the way, that's a little bit of a joke because <laughs> yeah. it was coming, <laughs> coming right after that, but uh, we could afford the payment and it was great. And we owned that property actually for about 10 years. So even after we got out, we rented it for several years um, and it was cash flowing, not, not great because we didn't buy it as an investment property, but you know, moving forward, that's kind of what my company, um, Active Duty Passive Income, is is doing is helping veterans understand that as you're moving around from duty station to duty station, you're likely to become a real estate investor without even knowing it. So let's teach you how to, you know, capitalize on that and and instead of buying a new construction home that you can barely afford the payment on, let's look at things like the one percent rule and try and figure out a way to consider this a future, potentially a future investment property as you buy from one duty station to the next. Gotcha. I, you know, I work with a bunch of retired military people and, um, there are several that have done exactly that. Every duty station they've gone to, they've bought, yep. um, and they have hold, they just continue to hold it and then rent it out. And some of them, you know, uh, air force officers, you know, own nine or 10 homes, Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way to, it's a fantastic way to build wealth. (laughs) Yeah. And we actually wrote a, um, a number one bestselling book, uh, about that, uh, two years ago now called military house hacking. And, um, and people can get that free on our website, by the way, it's on Amazon, but free on our website. So just get it for free if you want guys. (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's amazing that you can buy up to a four, a fourplex with no money out of pocket. Wow. And li- live in one unit, it's an owner-occupied loan, but you can live in one unit and, you know, and, and then turn the units and, and renovate them and you can do the value add play or you can just do a cash flow thing. So it's pretty neat. And a lot of people don't know about it. It's not that commonly used, um, I believe, but even a duplex, I mean, imagine the power of owning a duplex once you move from one spot to another, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and I heard a stat a while back that only about 13% of those veterans who are eligible for the, to use a VA loan are using it. And that just blew my mind because one of the things that we do and actually an amazing um, thing that we, we just accomplished with our community is uh, we just donated a house to homeless veterans. And a lot of those veterans aren't jobless. They're just homeless, whether it be temporarily or permanently, either way, they, they need a place to stay. Veterans Community Project is who we're supporting. They build these tiny homes. And so now we're able to not only help build those homes, provide those houses for homeless veterans, but we put our, we're donating our book um, to, to all of those tenants who come in. And it teaches them because their tenants are veterans and they, we have a, how to build your, your credit. Uh, we're adding that to the book this year, actually, but uh, how to build and repair your credit, how to get out of debt. So creating a financial uh, solid financial foundation, and then how to use your VA loan and house hack. So imagine the power of that to somebody who's trying to get back up off their feet and doesn't even realize that they have this amazing loan product called the VA loan that they can use that they earned for the rest of their lives that they've never even heard of probably. And they can buy a house uh, as long as they have a solid, solid uh, job and can afford the payments and everything and qualify, they can buy a house with no money out of pocket. So it can really help transition lives for veterans who are, who are struggling too. Yeah. So for our, some of our audience aren't familiar with the VA loan product, what can you give us a brief rundown of, of yeah, just, what it is? 
just, just real quick. It's, it's so anyone who has served and there are some caveats for reserves, um, and national guard, you have to serve a little bit longer for that. But, um, if you have served in the military, in the United States military, you can qualify for the VA loan, which is a product that is federally backed, allows you to purchase a home, it used to be a cap kind of down to per county really is is what it was capped at. Now there's no cap. You just have to qualify for the loan. Um, but imagine, you know, buying a house in, you know, in your, in your backyard, in your, um, the town you grew up in for $200,000 or whatever you can then go and put zero down on that property and you don't have primary mortgage insurance. You do not have PMI, which someone else who used an FHA loan or something like a normal, normal civilian, like, you know, who didn't serve would have to pay. If you put it less than 20% down, you have to pay primary mortgage insurance, which is just blowing money, but you know, it, it has its place because sometimes it still works. And I know actually know people who use that and still cash flow their, their rentals too down the road. So can work, but just an amazing product. You could buy a house, no money down, no PMI, and um, and you can use that benefit for the rest of your life. Gotcha. And that usually, we, we got a friend who recently got a, a VA loan on a, a property here in Las Vegas, and his interest rate was something like 2.85%. Yeah. I, mean, I, it, I just refied a, a VA jumbo. I live in Northern California, and I just refied my VA um jumbo loan at uh, 2.99 and that was earlier this year. Wow. That's just, it's can't just complain crazy. about that. And no, now, but I'm looking at it and I'm going, Oh, but they're maybe they're like 2.25 right now <laughs> for a 30 year, 30 year fixed. Should I refi a third time? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Just don't, forget don't get, about it. Yeah. You know, like just leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get greedy. <laughs> can't complain here. I can't complain about under three. So, yeah. Okay. So we covered a lot. You covered a lot of ground there and I want to back up just a little bit yeah. uh, and talk about that first, uh, house that you bought, uh, let's talk about, talk about the numbers. Uh, it was, and it was just a single family home. Wasn't it a uh, small yeah. multi? Oh yeah. I had no idea. I didn't even, I mean, I barely, I hadn't even read rich dad, poor dad yet. I had no idea about real estate investing at that point in my life. I figured, well, that's, that's for people who are wealthy or something like that, you know? So we just bought that property. It was $152,000, uh, new construction in Savannah, Georgia, and, um, you know, I think our payment was just over a thousand dollars a month, I believe at that point. And, um, you know, we own, we lived in it for the four or five years that we were still there. And then when we got out and moved back to California, where my wife's family's from, we, um, we rented it out and cash flow because we were lucky that it cash flowed, but it was barely, I mean, it was, we were making $82 a month, I think net. And that was again, lucky, but it's in Savannah, Georgia. So every summer when the thermostat and the air conditioning unit goes out and it's $400 to replace, it's like, okay, well <clears throat> that burns six months of our, of our income, you know? And so, um, you know, we were looking at it and going, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something to it. I wish we were making a little bit more on that. <clears throat> it's not really paying the bill. I mean, it is, but it's like every time something breaks or like every, and tenant turns. I mean, everyone in real estate investing now knows that tenant turnover is your, is your highest expense, right? Yeah. <laughs> for apartment units, for single family units. Then you get one, you know, my last tenant before we sold it, they just trashed the place. I mean, their mm. dog had, had dug through the living room uh, carpet all the way down to the slab, just some like anxiety digging and they're chewing on the molding and all kinds of stuff. And they just left like... it that way. Just took off, you know, it, 
just just nasty and this is a nice little neighborhood and to us it was our new construction house you know that not so new anymore but but it, it was the house that we knew as just a really nice house you yeah. know uh but tenants were just de- just destroying it so anyway not not the best investment property but looking <laughs> back it was kind of what opened my eyes to okay you need solid cash flow to make these things work so help me really analyze deals uh later on yeah so how did you, so you, you know, you saw that, how did you start learning about real estate? Like what, how did you transition from like, oh, we're kind of renting this and, you know, accidental landlord sort of situation to yeah. um, so investor? As soon as we got back to uh, the San Francisco Bay area, uh, this is 2000, early 2011. Um, I, saw some I hook line and sinker saw some ad for um for a, a a 90 minute free seminar and I was like yeah I can do that I'm going to be in the area right yeah quote unquote free <laughs> free to attend free to warm the seat so I went in and it was it ended up being a uh it was a real estate seminar but they were focusing on tax liens so so it was I went in and I was like okay cool I can I can do this um tax liens seem pretty easy. You invest a little bit of money and, you know, taxes that nobody paid and the counties need this for tax revenue. And so as an investor, you know, and I can, you know, I, and I had, at that time I had just, or actually after that, I read the book, uh, 16% solution, which was like, it caught my interest even more. And I was like, okay, I could actually end up with a property if I invest in these tax liens for the cost of the lien, which could be a hundred dollars on a property. Mm-hmm. Right. And so anyway, uh, I did that 90, 90 minute thing. And ultimately the end of it was an upsell for $2,000 to get this tax lien program. Oh, and by the way, you get a three-day boot camp for, for this training. And so then I went to the three-day boot camp and that was an upsell to <laughs> advanced training and advanced training was $25,000. And so imagine, you know, I'm excited at that point and I'm going, man, I can make money in real estate for sure. And I was looking, I, ha- I still have a W2, that same job, that same W2. But at the time I'm looking at the W2 and going, do I want to rely on them to make me wealthy or can I go do this on my own? And, you know, I'm, I'm reading mindset books at this time as well, or as I drive around the Bay area for work, just audio books, audio books all the time. And so I just said, I'm all in. I had to go home and convince my wife that it was a good, good idea <laughs> to spend 25 grand on, you know, a single family fix and flip um, advanced training. Mm-hmm. So I did. I convinced her that it was a good opportunity. And, um, you know, what I learned from that actually sidebar here, I ended up making 10 times that, um, investment from just the people that I networked at that event. So I I met a contractor as, as we were living flipping, um, around the Bay area, I met a contractor at that event and he and his team helped, helped us renovate one of our live in flips on the beach. And so, uh, we made, you know, like I said, 10 times what we invested in that uh, training just from networking at that event. So ultimately it was worth it. And, you know, I believe in coaching. I believe in, in, uh, spending money on masterminds and education as much as possible, as long as you, you know, vet it and make sure you're able to commit to whatever you learn and actually put it to use. So, well, there's two, two appointment, two important points there. One is, is, the 
that you need to commit to whatever it is that you're learning. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people who, you know, pay to get the training and then they just don't take the action. That's, um, that's the huge difference between people who complain about paying and people who pay and make their money back and then some and learn something. I mean, this business, uh, the company that was running that was, is no longer in business because they had too many complaints. But the people who were complaining were the ones who didn't commit and say, I'm going to make this work for me. Yeah. And, and that's unfortunate. That's how it goes with coaching programs that the people who, and you, so if you're running a coaching program, you really have to filter the people who come in and ask them over and over again and find and, and listen for those cues in their voice. Do you have eight to 10 hours a week to dedicate to this? Are you committed? Uh, you know, what does commitment mean to you? And, and things like that. Otherwise they're just going to be like, Oh, we paid this amount of money and didn't get anything out of it. Well, just like Michael Phelps, use him as an example. He could be the most talented athlete in the world, but if he's not listening to his coaches and doing what they say to do, he would never have a gold medal, not one. So you have to, you know, be able to put in that time and commitment. Sorry to cut you off. So commitment is one is what you're saying. Well, and, um, it's networking. This is a people business. And three, I guess I have three points. Third is that you got to be careful. There's a lot of, um, gurus out there who are teaching the things that they used to do as an oh, investor and great point. And, and now they, they haven't, they haven't done that. They haven't actually done that in 10 years right. uh, because that strategy is really not all, doesn't work all that well now. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, the, I don't, I don't want to trash anybody's name, but there are people out there that, you know, they haven't been an actual investor in 10 years. They've just been yeah. coach. They've just been a coach. So, so always clear. Yeah. Yes. Always go for a coach. You know, what, when, how many deals have you done using yes. this strategy in the last 12 months? Yeah. And if and, the answer is none, market where you're teaching it, right. I mean, the, yeah. the coaching that I was receiving was saying you can flip a house in San Jose in 2012. Anybody can do it. Well, in San Jose in 2012, someone paid $700,000 over asking price for a burnt out shell of a property. So do I want to do that? Even if I could, even if I had a million dollars, you know, to, to spend on this property cash, would I want to do that? And so you have to, you know, really listen to those things. Like who, who am I listening to? Have they invested in this market? They're teaching me how to invest in my market here. Um, can I do this? So, yeah, I mean, and then certainly if they haven't done it in five years or more, no, yeah. things change too fast in this, in this industry. You got to know what you're doing. Go ahead. You, you want me to go up? No, I'll, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're doing a lot of house hacking. Is there anything that people sort of um, overestimate the difficulty of for a house hack? Well, I mean, for me, my only house hacks really were live-in flipping. I mean, I it's it, that that's my version of a house hack, but mm -hmm. I didn't this the stuff that that our community is um is capable of doing the military community yeah. is capable of doing i didn't know about while i was young and in the military so my version of uh, the house hack is um live-in flipping so we actually moved our family around my wife and two young sons uh nine times in eight years around the san francisco bay area um so the hardest part about house hacking for us was number one, finding a strategy that works. There's so many different strategies to, to house hack. Um, if you're young and single, uh, you can bring in 
roommates. That's a, an amazing house hack. You can add um, storage to your units. You could, you know, do a vacation rental to mm-hmm. your unit that you're living in. There's so many different amazing things you can do to house hack, but ours was live in flipping. And um, so, and for those of you who are not familiar with live in flipping, it was, um, it's, it's buying a house and uh, that needs some, maybe some renovation. Ours didn't necessarily, but we did add some to them, but uh, it was in an appreciating market. So we were able to wait uh, and renovate in some of them actually. So I'll just walk you through the first one. It was in a good neighborhood, appreciating, didn't need any work. Second one needed some work and the market was still appreciating. Uh, The third one was, um, not appreciating quite as much, but it was in a great market and we added some value to it um, that really pushed it up in value. Um, But so the hardest part with the house hack is uh, for me was to make sure that my spouse was on board and to make sure that um, moving the kids uh, nine times in eight (laughs) years was it going to be okay. Otherwise it's not worth the stress. Uh, I actually would say that to everybody. If house hacking is too stressful, um, and is going to put a strain on your relationships, it's definitely not worth it. There are other things that you can do out there to invest in real estate, uh, which we do now that uh, have nothing to do with uh, house hacking and, you know, sharing walls with tenants or improving your primary residence or whatever. So um, yeah. yeah, we've moved on to flipping and uh, mostly now it's just multifamily investing. Gotcha. So the, the live-in flipping is probably what accelerated your ability to get into bigger and bigger deals. And I know that you have, uh, you've been on a general partnership on several, several hundred multifamily deals, and you've also been on a limited partnership. Can you sort of talk to us a little bit about that transition from, you know, those deals into the bigger deals? Yeah, I, I call that live-in flipping um, was kind of my capital building phase, and you know, just intentionally trying to build capital and figure it all out, and at the same time being frugal and saving and all that stuff as well. So, in the capital building phase, I also um, found a, a friend that I went to high school with who is who had syndicated one and a half billion now, I think almost three billion dollars in in real estate holdings, and um, I I called him up and I said, Hey, I see you on Facebook and social media and you're flying around on private planes. What's going on? And he was like, well, let me, let me walk you through this. Here's an example. On the property that we just sold, we owned for five years. If you had invested a hundred thousand dollars with me in that five year period, it would have doubled, uh, cumulatively at the end, you would have uh, doubled your, your, um, your income or your, um, your money. So I was like, well, all right, sign me up. I mean, how do I do that? So I invested in a deal. Actually, I'm still in it and they're about to go full cycle on that, on that property and sell. It's a 439 pad mobile home park portfolio and, um, great returns. Um, I get a check for $2,000 every quarter and, you know, I'm expecting to double my money in uh, less than five years. So, um, but what I wanted out of that relationship at that point, or that if I'm, if I'm giving someone advice who is considering being a limited partner, find somebody who's willing to talk to you about it and educate you, not just talk to you about the investment. Of course, they're going to walk you through the numbers, but educate you a little bit. And you can get a little bit more out of that. And that's what I found with him was he was willing to talk to me about like what a syndication was and what a 70, 30 split was, and really just dig in and spend the time with me as a friend and an investor. And so that really opened my eyes to syndication. Then without me even knowing this, my business partner at active duty, passive income 
I've been following Rod Cleef and he said, I've got a free ticket to his boot camp down in LA. I live in California. So I was like, well, I'm down there for work anyway. Let me go. So I went to this boot camp and that opened my eyes to just this world of, wait a minute, there's like normal people like me can buy multifamily properties. Mm-hmm. Like I can do this same thing that my buddy's doing. Holy cow. I thought he had to be rich to do that. No. Okay. So, you know, I, so much happened right after that. I didn't sign up for coaching. I wasn't ready. Three months later, I went to the same thing in Chicago, the same exact training in Chicago, signed up for coaching. Nine months later, we closed on a 212 unit, closed on a 208 unit with partners. And then um, we started doing our own deals and then and uh, closed an 80 unit and a 71 pad mobile home park. All, that was all 2019. So first full year in multifamily investing, we closed almost 600 doors and um, we're off to the races. And just the be- the beautiful part about what I love about that transition, as you asked, is realizing that you're not alone in multifamily investing. You feel like you're on an island a little bit with single family property investing. Um Maybe you've got a partner. I have a partner in Kansas City that I work with for single family stuff before I got into multifamily as well. But there's you have a great team and everyone knows their little niche on the team, the thing that they can contribute. And it really takes a village. It's more of that military team mentality that I'm familiar with that allowed me to to really fit into a team and to understand that uh, this is the path for me. So commercial multifamily is definitely something I, I plan to uh, pursue. Gotcha. Well, and I, one of the things I love about your story there is that um, you you were an active investor in a specific niche, and you recognize that you can take those active funds that you make and then put them into passive investments. I mean, we you know we talk to uh, active uh, investors all the time who are you know they're flippers. You know, you were essentially a flipper. You were living flipping and you had yep. built capital. Now, okay, now where do you put that capital? You know, where do you know, where's something that you know a lot about? You know a lot about real estate, but you maybe didn't initially didn't know a lot about multifamily. And so your initial foray was as a passive investor. And I'm sure you learned a great deal just being a passive investor on that. And then that allowed you, I think, gave you the confidence to then go on and, and uh, be more active in that syndication side. Absolutely. I mean, this, this, the name of our company is a play on words, active duty, passive income. So take, take active duty and make that W2 worker um, you know, busy, busy doctor. Um, we have, we have, um, NBA athletes that are investors of ours. I mean, uh, doctors, lawyers, athletes, high on high income wage earners, um, people who are just too busy to, to either want to invest because they like their jobs and they went to school for who knows how long to get to that position. Um, those are the people who are best suited for taking that cash and preserving it with passive investments. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's a, we talk about this all the time too, is that, you know, we'll, we'll talk to people who someone who's a doctor or something will go, you know, Oh, Hey, I just discovered real estate investing. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start flipping houses and, you know, or I'm going to, you know, uh, do burr. I'm going to buy, buy and hold new burrs and things like that. And it's like, Whoa. Okay. How much time, how much time do you spend as a doctor? Like, well, about 80 hours a week. Okay. Then just focus on that. Yeah. Focus on your key, your key income, uh, generating activity and, 
you know, start investing passively and eventually get to the point where you've got enough passive income coming in that you maybe don't need to work as much. And then you can focus on, on more active real estate endeavors. But you know. yeah, I mean, if I'm a doctor or an athlete or a lawyer or somebody, think about this, you take $5 million and invest it. And this is, I fully plan to do this too. I, I, I would love to be just a, an LP, a limited partner on all of these deals. I know enough people in this industry now to invest forever right? So um, you take $5 million at a seven pref, 7% preferred return. Um, and that's $350,000 a year. I can live on that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely. It's no problem. So, um, you know, it's it to me, I look at that and I go, that's, that's where I'd like to be. And, you know, family freedom, right? I mean, I, I want that passive income to, to be so abundant and it will be, that um, I can live my life for, you know, for my brothers and sisters who can no longer live. And, and that's, and actually that's, you know, I, we talk about our why a lot, what drives you. And so, you know, I, I do this for the memory and pride of those who've gone before me for they love to fight, fought to win and would rather die than quit. So my brothers and sisters that I've buried in the military who no longer can feel pain, who can no longer find entrepreneurial problems like we can, who can no longer feel struggle. I do this for them. So I will succeed. I will push. I will persevere for them. You got whoever's going to do this, you need to have a deep rooted why. And if it's that strong, it doesn't matter how bad your day was. It doesn't matter if you lost a deal, you learn from it, move on and, uh, and really get up there and get after it again for, for whatever your why is. It's okay. You look talking about this. Yeah. It it it's just scrolling from okay. screen to screen. You'll see it come back on there. Okay. Jumps. Sorry. <laughs> I got worried about our I mean it's always on uh Zoom, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got multiple redundant recordings, so we're good. Okay. Uh, all right, let me slate here and then um you want to ask Okay. All right. 1 2 3 Slate. All right. So um, why don't you tell us more about active duty passive income, especially because um, we've talked a little bit about it, but especially the your philanthropic goals for um, your yeah. company. Yeah. Num- number one thing, if anyone is uh, getting into real estate investing or is a real estate investor currently is to lead with a giving heart. If, if you go into this with other people in mind first, uh, you're going to get a lot of uh, farther in this industry, further in this industry. So, um, you know, personally and professionally, um, with the companies that we've built, we try to give wherever we can. And, um, so active duty, passive income is the premier, uh, real estate education and, um, and community for military in the country. Um, we've since, so we wrote a number one bestselling book. Like I said, we have tons of free resources, including, tax consultation for investors and legal consultation for asset protection for investors. Those are free consults. Um, And we have masterminds for single and multifamily. We have uh, academies uh, for single and multifamily. Um, And this is all military. So everyone in our group is military. Our Facebook group is at the time of this recording, 14,000 members uh, and growing by a thousand members a month with a 94% engagement rate. So we've got an amazing niche 
uh, of dedicated military entrepreneur minded, Hey, I don't need to do this for 20 years necessarily, unless I want to type of people, which is amazing. Um, and since then, so we just started three years ago with a concept. Our CEO had, had built, um, the beginnings of the ebook for military house hacking. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were a Facebook group and now we've got all of that stuff that I just talked about, but we have, we own a mortgage branch. We own a, an insurance company all to serve veterans. Um, and, and so it's pretty, it's pretty amazing where this is, has gone in the last just three years, not quite three years. Um, but we're excited to see where this community is headed and, and what it looks like to me is ending a massive problem in the U S which is veteran homelessness. Um, we partnered with veterans community project, uh, this year, actually I was keynote speaking at an event in Kansas city, um, in December last year. And the, the host there, um, we'll give him a, a plug is Nathan Brooks with uh, bridge turnkey investing. Uh, he had me come speak there. Um, and he said, you got to go check out Veterans Community Project in Kansas City. They build tiny homes for homeless veterans. And so I, I met with them and I just was hooked. And I, it's a passion of mine. We just this week uh, donated our first house um, for them to build. My family and I, hopefully we're going to take a, an RV trip to Colorado to their next, um, their next build, which is where we, we raised enough money to, to build this house in Longmont, Colorado. So I want my my wife and two boys to go actually swing hammers and, and help them uh, build the, uh, the, the units as well. So uh, we're really excited about that. And so there's 38,000 give or take homeless veterans on the streets at any given night. And it's a solvable problem that is not millions of veterans. And so over the next 10 years in this decade, we're going to end veteran homelessness in the U S. I don't know. He decided not to come in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He usually doesn't do that. I told him he could come. Are you, do you want to come over, bud? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> come say hi. <laughs> Let me see what he wants. I just want right. to make sure he's okay. All right. How old are your kids? Buddy, do you need some? They're eight and 11. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you Yeah, my, my eight-year-old's working on front two teeth right now. They're growing them, growing them back. They're uh, he's still got baby teeth, believe it or not, in, okay. in his his front two. So they're they're uh, coming out right now. Both of them are just like this, so just wailing. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. You can see the other teeth behind them coming in. Yeah, and you you're in the bay. You're still in the Bay Area. We moved up uh, towards Sacramento. Okay, whereabouts, Brittany? That's where Brittany's from. Oh, okay. We, we're in El Dorado Hills. Okay. Where's she from? She's in El Dorado Hills. Oh, okay. She's from Orangevale. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Just over the river. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say if the pandemic ever, (laughs) once things even out, if we're up there and you're still there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we're we're, uh, not planning on going anywhere right now, as of right now, although I tell everybody, I'm like, I don't know if I can make a hundred grand on this house. I don't know. It's, it's just too tempting, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? but it's, we have a half acre in El Dorado Hills and you know, just the whole, like for me, a guy with, uh, I'm just a kid from Iowa and mm-hmm. who served in the military and whatever. And now I'm like in this beautiful neighborhood on a half acre with a pool and a view. And I'm just like, okay, like I have nothing to complain about. This yeah. is just amazing. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, that sounds like a great property. You could probably yeah. get a lot of money there. My One of our family friends is looking for a house and her mom's a real estate agent. And she's like, eventually she'll figure out this is not the right time to, <laughs> yeah. to buy a house. But like, basically she'd be interested in one and it would like already be yep. sold. Totally. And, and I... And I was saying earlier, I'm building that driveway. It's it's an HOA approved RV boat driveway. Wow. Nice. So to have it HOA approved also is like, and it's deep enough and it's, you know, it's yeah. down this hill and deep. And so I, and I got a bunch of comps and they were like, yeah, that's going to add at least $60,000 to yeah. the value of your house. That's like, great. Look at that area will probably keep its value for quite some time. Yeah. yeah. As so many people are still moving up here from the Bay area and yeah. south yeah. of 50, they're building 10,000 new homes. So it's wow. not, not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let me see where we're at. He finished. He was talking about active duty. Yep. Did okay. you have anything else that you wanted to ask him before we. We're going to kind of wrap it up. Okay. All right. All right, let me slate here. One, two, three, slate. Okay, so you are, uh, you, do you still have a W-2 job? I do. Okay, so you're, uh, is it 40 hours a week or standard W-2 job? It is. Okay, so you're, how many hours a week are you spending on your real estate endeavors? Uh, you know, I spend at least 10 hours a week. Um, you know, and, and that's something that, uh, you know, it, it shifts, but you know, it's every lunch break you get every time after, you know, between dinner and putting the kids to bed, uh, I read to my kids every single night. Um, so, but I've always got from, you know, from 9 PM to midnight, you know, to work on whatever I want. So, um, just slugging through it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, um, it's something I, you know, it's, I struggle with as well. I've got a full-time job and a family and, you know, a wife that wants my attention, a son that wants my attention. I don't and, want your attention. Okay, no, I'm just well. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she wants my help with the parenting. <laughs> well, uh, if our son would let you read at night, every night, that I would know. be great. Well, he was all of a sudden, just recently, he's all of a sudden decided that he doesn't want me reading. Only my eight-year-old. My 11-year-old is reading so many. He's reading 800-page books weekly oh, yeah. at this oh, point. Oh, that's and great. So he, doesn't, he doesn't want my kid books, you know. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love reading to my son. Uh, I, I wish bedtime would go a little smoother, uh, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, he's six. It'll yeah, he's six. It will get Yeah, better. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, you're, you're doing about 10 hours a week. If you were only able to to devote two hours a week to your real estate business, what would be the one thing that you would focus on and do? I would still stick with, um, with multifamily. It would just take, uh, I mean, I, I would have to be part of a team that understands that I have two hours a week to work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't figure out a way I could, I don't know how that would ever happen because there's always two hours at the end of the day to work on it. But if I had two hours, I would find a team that I add so much value to in that two hours that they understand that that's my contribution. Gotcha. Um, and if you, if, if you only had that two hours, what do you think would be the highest and best use of your time? Networking. Networking. Okay. So C connecting people. Yep. Um, 
you you talked a little bit about this uh, before we started about you know it's one of your core strengths. What, what would you say is is the best way to network that you have discovered? Well, uh, we call it super networking, which is uh, really going um, above and beyond and thinking about the person you're talking to. Um, a lot of people will go to a conference or a meetup or, you know, on a call like this or whatever it is, and they'll think about themselves. What's my agenda? What team member do I need? What's my next deal? Whatever. But if you go into a, any kind of interaction, social interaction and say, I wonder what this person needs. And you make them the most important person in the room when you're talking to them, not just looking through their head, wondering what conversation is behind them, but actually asking, what are your pain points, you know, in a, in a roundabout way, way and listening for those. And when you listen, people inherently, humans inherently tell you what their problems are, just as a, a like people like to gripe a little bit and not in a negative way. It's just, I want to tell you like, what's, what's hurting my game right now. And, and people will lead into that in a conversation. So if you listen to it, it doesn't matter if I'm cold calling someone in Indianapolis for an apartment complex that I want to buy. And, uh, he's, he's the gatekeeper on the other end of the line. You can tell he's having a bad day. I figure out a way to figure out what that bad day was and how I can make them laugh or how I can transition the conversation into what I need out of it ultimately, which is to get to the dispositions manager. Um, but if you intentionally go into that conversation, really wanting to know about the person on the other end of that, um, they will then think that you're the most interesting person in the room and that will spread like wildfire, no matter where you go. Um, and then if you're listening, you can also, uh, as an ancillary benefit to that is you can connect John to Susan who have, you know, Susan's got too many deals. John's got too much money. They haven't met each other, but you know them both. Then you become the connector of two people. And that's, that's, that's why I say that two hours a week is so valuable. And I'll say, uh, one of the things that I love about asset management, which is something that I'm uh, focusing more and more on with apartment communities is I go out to the community and I will connect with the mayor of the town I will connect with the superintendent of the school district and I will find out ways that we as an apartment community can add value to that town. It doesn't matter if it's a Dallas, Texas or a small town in Indiana. It doesn't matter to me. I will network, make myself uniquely interesting to them enough to get a meeting. And then I will add value to them, go in with that intention to add value. When you do that, your networking becomes super networking and super powerful. It's such a, it's such a great, uh, such a great point. And uh, I often, I remember, you know, I was a, I was a, a shy college student. I was painfully shy. Uh, and then I started getting into acting and that was kind of what ultimately sort of pulled me out of that. But I remember having somebody once tell me when I told them, I don't know how to, I don't know how to have a conversation with somebody. Uh, you know, I, I just get, I get tongue tied I don't know what to say. And he said, don't worry about what to say. Just ask them about themselves. People yeah. love to talk about themselves and just listen and genuinely listen. Don't sit there waiting for, you know, your turn to talk. Yep. Absolutely. That is a mindset shift right there. As soon as you realize that people love talking about themselves. And when someone says, Oh yeah, I went to the, I went to the fun park with my family, ask them about what rides they liked. I mean, it's literally just walking them through their experience mm -hmm. and, and just people will go for hours talking about themselves and yep. not even think twice about it. Yep. And then, like you said, they'll end up coming away saying, God, that Eric Chupcher, uh, Upchurch guy was so interesting. What a great conversation. <laughs> <Holy cow. laughs> yeah. 
We are selfish at heart. We are. <laughs> we are. Uh, okay, so our final bit that we like to uh, talk about, and I think I know the answer to this, but how location dependent is is what you're doing? I mean, are you investing? You're obviously you're doing the live and flips in in the Bay Area and, and then Sacramento, uh, but your are you investing long distance in the multifamily? Yeah, we own in uh, Atlanta, San Antonio, around uh, Indianapolis and Southern Indiana near Louisville. Uh, I own property in Kansas City. I own no properties other than my primary in California. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You can. You can do. And so, with a full time W two with a um, wife and kids with five businesses that we're building at, at ADPI, uh, you can still buy apartment complexes. You can still flip houses across the country. You just have to manage your time and have the, the right team in place. Gotcha. All right. Well, Eric Upchurch, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If any of our audience uh, want to reach out to you and find out more about you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Please, um, if anyone wants to connect uh, and you have any military connections or just got something out of this or you want to talk more about, you can email me at eric at activedutypassiveincome.com or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Real Eric Upchurch. Glad to connect with anyone. Okay. Well, thanks so much, man. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks have a great rest me. of your day. Yeah. Okay, that was Eric Upchurch with Active Duty Passive Income. Uh, it was wonderful um, getting to know him. Uh, do you have a key lesson learned from that interview? Yeah, I think um, talking about the networking. So you're super networking where you really concentrate on what the other person um, wants, needs, what they're feeling, you know, really talking to them personally and not feeling like it's about you Um you're probably going to get what you want out of it. And, um, some of the time, at least when you do, um, create that, but like you're talking to them with the intention of really finding out what they need, um, and, and how you can help them, but also just getting to know them. And I think that's uh, really important because people want to be heard. And when they feel heard, they're more likely to be able to hear you in return. Yeah. Well, and it's such a fundamental, as we, as we talked about, it's a fundamental uh, thing about human communication uh, that so many people get wrong, that in order to be a good conversationalist, what you need to be is not interesting. You need to be interested yeah. uh, and you need to listen to what yes. the other person is saying. Yes. So. Uh, you? Uh I thought uh, the idea of, you know, he, he talked about that he, he's in favor of coaching, um, but in order to make it worthwhile, you need to be committed um, to, to executing and, and taking action on what it is that you're learning. So many people um, expect the coaching to just basically take care of everything for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you are the one that's going to have to ultimately take action, uh, and, and that's something a lot of people forget about. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did he acquire his knowledge? Through coaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he went to a seminar and uh, did the, the upsell, upsell, upsell that they mm -hmm. often do. And, uh, and he learned, uh, learned that way. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely took advantage of that, yep. um, which is awesome. Um, money. I mean, we really talked about that first house, but we didn't really talk. I mean, one of the things that, with his strategy is that he's not really putting any money down 
if you're using the VA loan. Correct. The VA loan allows you to put 0% down, uh, yeah. which is, which is huge. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I guess if we wanted to count his multifamily investing, whatever we spend on coaching. Um, but, uh, I think if we're, if somebody's looking at, uh, doing military house hacking, that's the thing that they need to remember is that they can, if they are eligible for a VA loan, they can get in, uh, with 0% down. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. a, a huge, uh, it's a huge, uh, advantage that people who have served have. Yes. So. Do uh, as their their right, but yes. Well, and then you know, with his, with the the flipping, the way that he did it, he really, you know, when he said he he was in an appreciating market, so if the house didn't need work, he wasn't putting it in. He's just living in it until it appreciated enough to sell it again. Um, and that's, I mean, we haven't talked to anybody who's done that, who's talked about just buying um, a house for appreciation, and part of it's because not having to put anything down makes that especially, especially lucrative. Yeah. Uh, it is something I would call, you know, I'd caution people on, um, well, yeah. it is, it's I a, mean, you know, you, you, you're you counting on appreciation. Your- <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I prefer, yeah. I mean, I prefer to sort of force the appreciation, you know, buy a, if you can buy a, a house that's uh, a little beaten up that you can do some work on, yeah. uh, and force that appreciation. I, I prefer that. But. Yeah. Well, he did that as well. Yep. He did, he did um, do that as well. But there are some markets that if yep. you can buy into them, especially with a zero down and they yep. are always, um, California yep. is, is one of those in many areas, even with people, you know, even with some of the tech Yep. Um, giants moving elsewhere. There's still plenty of people who want to live there. So. Correct. Correct. Um, time. We got pretty deep into that. We did. Uh, he said about 10 hours a week. He still has a, um, uh, he still has a W2 job mm-hmm. and he's got a family. And uh, so he, he said he spends, you know, after he puts his kids to bed, he tends to go upstairs and, and uh, get some work done. So Yeah. 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 Something to... Remember that, you know, you've got, you do have those times in between. Um, He even talked about between, you know, dinner and uh, bedtime. So if you've got a kid that's independent enough or you don't have other things that you can do that sometimes then, but also, yeah, afterwards, especially if you're staying up late anyway, use that time productively. Could he do this strategy from anywhere in the world? Yes, he could. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, obviously the live and flip thing, you know, you have to do that. Yeah, but, but now he's really doing multifamily. So correct. multifamily, whether you're passive or if you're part of the active team, you can really do that. Obviously, if you're going to be out of the country, then you um, have to have a good team. You're not doing as much of the active work, but yeah. yeah. So, all right. Okay. Once again, that was Eric Upchurch from Active Duty Passive Income. Check him out at uh, activedutypassiveincome.com. We'll have all the links in the show notes. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. 
We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.